Are you ready to live the all-in life? Then welcome to the All In Podcast Show, sharing the defining moments of impact-driven entrepreneurs, industry pioneers, and transformative leaders as they showcase their defining moments and went all-in on their business and found true success. From the early steps in their journey to the moment they truly took their commitment to their life and business to another level, we'll give you the insight you need to go all in on your dream life. Now here's your host, Daniel Giordano. Welcome everyone to the All In Podcast Show. I'm excited to introduce you to Mark Kramer uh, and uh, excited to share his story, his journey and his experience with you. Uh, Welcome to the show, Mark. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right. So I, I would like to start, and I know you know you're you're from a uh, mutual city where I was born and raised. So I'm excited to hear a little bit about your background and like you know where you grew up and and uh, you know how you got into the first thing that you started in business. Sure. So I was born and raised in Coatesville, which is outside of Philadelphia, about 30 miles outside of Philadelphia. And I came from a family of business owners. My grandfather uh, came to this country in like 1917 and had businesses in Coatesville. My father had businesses in Coatesville. So I came from a line of um, business owners, but I never wanted to be in business. I wanted to be a career sports writer because I didn't like that my father had to work six days a week and that when we were on vacation, he would call in every single day, a few times a day to check on the business. And I said, no way am I ever gonna be in business. I I went to school for journalism. I started writing when I was 15. When I graduated college, I was a sports writer. And then I met uh, my wife and realized that I'd rather have a family than be traveling. And so I left uh, the world of journalism and looked for a job. And I applied to about 200 places. And I ended up starting out as a tax administrator but it didn't pay enough money. So I had to start some side businesses to make extra income. And that's how I became an entrepreneur was just out of necessity. I mean, I have other friends uh, that aspire to be entrepreneurs, aspire to be business owners, and I never did. And and since I started my first venture with uh, Mark Kramer Promotions, Build Your Business with Bumper Stickers, I went to 37 businesses, they all turned me down. I started, we did the business and called Mark Kramer Promotions. We can get anything. My first six clients were bumper stickers. Who would have guessed, right? I changed that name. But one of my early clients needed a, a haunted house for this uh, private uh, mom and pop mall outside of, uh, outside of Philadelphia called the Downtown Marketplace. And uh, I was able to provide that for him. And then the guy offered me to be come as assistant manager and I became assistant manager, manager, then chief operating officer. And I started three businesses for him. So I had this knack for writing business plans and executing on them. And I have a creative mind. So I'm always thinking about new ideas. And I've started over 25 businesses. I've raised uh, a few billion dollars in venture capital money for supporting these different ventures. Sold uh, a couple of ventures. And uh, now I have uh, essentially four businesses. I have Kramer Communications where I do marketing, consulting, business plan development, sales, innovation planning. I have one called Stress-Free Family Business. And I broke these into different businesses so I could market them each separately. So I have Stress-Free Family Business where I work with family businesses 
helping the um, one generation transition and take over for the current generation. And then that ends up being way more than just preparing them. It ends up to being doing financial modeling, helping them buy and sell businesses, uh, raising for bank loans, developing marketing sales and innovation plans. Then I have what you see behind me called Consulting University USA, where I teach people how to become consultants. And I've written uh, six books. One of the books I wrote was on consulting for entrepreneur press. And so I have a whole methodology for teaching people how to be part-time or full-time consultants. And then I have a, a business called Pitch to Me First, where I review business plans and PowerPoint presentations and give feedback to companies on that. And now I also have this podcast, which has turned into something way bigger than I thought. I have a podcast called The Best Business Minds, where I interview business book authors. And I started it last March with the idea that I would engage my clients and educating them while we had this downtime. It turned out that people liked it so much that they kept asking me when the next one was. Now, a year later, I have listeners from 35 countries and I do it every single Friday. And now I've read over 50 business books in the course of that time period. So I, I wanna read these books anyway, and I've made these contacts. And what's been great is I've been asked to be on the boards of three different companies, two of them in Europe. Uh, so I'm now on these, and then I've picked up also new clients from it. So something I never expected. And now my newest venture is called Funding Organizer, and it's a common app to apply for a commercial bank loan. And so when you apply for a loan now, a banker comes out, they ask you for three years of tax return, fill out a PDF form. And then after they determine if they're interested, then you keep getting all these emails and you keep saying to them, isn't there just one place I can go to fill out everything you could conceivably need? And it doesn't matter what size the bank is, they don't have it. So I ended up creating, and we just launched this business. We've already signed up seven institutions to use it. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to me with the banking system, how some of them are still archaic in that way. In that way. I'm like, they well, are. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, what do you do with the money? And it's like, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> you, you may like, you know, think, think outside the box here. So that's good. Awesome. So I want to back up to your first venture. Like, so when you, you had mentioned that you had a little... Um, you know, I guess call it a pivot around, you know, you started with bumper stickers and then you went into the promotion side and then, you know, maybe tackled a little differently, but was it a home run like right out of the gate? Um, no, no, not, not, you know, nothing ever comes out of the home run out of the gate. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, you, you come up with this idea and you think, oh my God, bumper stickers, fat margins. I sold some to make some money when I was in college. And I thought every business would like that because you can put on people's bumpers and, and, so, and they'll get great visibility for a very little price. And I thought this would be great, but it turned out that people didn't want to necessarily put bumper stickers on people's cars because people didn't want their cars marked up uh, with that. And, and now you see very few bumper stickers, right? When you're driving. But back then, this was uh, the early eighties, people still were glad to put bumper stickers on cars. And I thought, oh, well, this will be great. And I ended up meeting uh, like 37 businesses, but nobody was a taker uh, for this. And I was hearing about other needs that they had. So I thought, oh, great. I'll change it to Mark Kramer Promotions. We can get anything. 
So I was selling hats, t-shirts, mugs, but one of the early things somebody asked me for was a hotel said, can you get us a marching band for a Super Bowl party? And I said, uh, sure. So I contacted a local high school and found out what this guy was willing to pay. And I got the high school band to come in and do a live performance for a halftime Super Bowl party, which blew the people away. And then this guy said, I have somebody to introduce you to. He's going to need, uh, need a haunted house. And this came like months later. And I uh, met this guy at this mall who wanted to create a haunted house and 800 square foot store. And he said, I'll pay you $5,000 to do it. And I thought, my God, $5,000. I was only making $16,000 at the time. That's a lot of money. So he, uh, I said, sure. So I got five theater students. We uh, went to the hotel I did work for and said to him, we have 200 underprivileged kids that want to be ghosts. You have sheets you want to get rid of. They gave me the sheets. We dyed, tie dyed them and we put, uh, took wire and strung it up and we made a haunted house inside. And at the end of the evening, uh, the guy said, I've got a lot more work for you to do. So that worked out pretty well. And then uh, I ended up leaving uh, my promotions business because I got offered to start Penn State's Technology Development Center. I got asked to start a business incubator and I started that from scratch. And I found that I liked writing and implementing plans and I like getting things started. I don't necessarily like to stay with it because I like the creative side. Right, okay. All right, so then, uh, so the ones that you have stayed with, you know, because I was like the, you know, say, just like you said in the beginning, it's like, you know, not everything's a home run right out of the gate. Yes. Uh, yeah, and a lot of times there's that misconception of, you know, people always see the results, right, of like the success that you have or the success they think you have, right? Um, yes. And, and, and then they don't see all the struggles, the trials, the challenges, oh. right? You know, so I like to talk about that, like some of the, you know, some of the more challenging things that may have come up for you in your journey. Well, let me tell you this. If there was an iceberg in the middle of the desert, I would hit it uh, <laughs> because I can tell you that I started an insurance venture to insure small business bank accounts against cyber theft. And I raised a million dollars for that and actually more because the insurance company had to put up 50 million in, in three different states to back the insurance I was selling. And I thought, man, this is going to be a home run that everybody's gonna to wanna to buy this insurance. The insurance company thought it was gonna be a home run and nobody was buying this. I bought five of the 51 policies that we sold into it, thought they were gonna sell thousands of the policies, nobody bought it. And the lesson I learned there and the insurance company ended up learning too is we did these surveys and what happened with the survey was Every time it kept getting bigger and bigger when people, we asked people about cybersecurity threats, uh, we said, are you concerned about it? Yes. But when we uh, saw that we weren't selling policies, I went back to the same people we surveyed and we said, wait a minute, maybe you should ask them, are they concerned about it for themselves? And when we asked if people were um, concerned about cybersecurity threats for themselves, they said no. And I was like, no, only seven people, seven seven percent of the people that we surveyed, which it was over a thousand, said yes. And so, at seven percent, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can cut that number in half, which means you weren't going to make any money. And it, it, the time just wasn't right for it.
but I was featured in Forbes, Wall Street Journal, featured on Fox nationally. So I thought with all this publicity, it would go great. I created another company called Prompt Payment. The concept I created was reverse factoring, where people sell their, um, their invoices uh, to factors and factors would fund it. But reverse factoring was, I worked for a large company like Unisys Corporation, which you would know coming from Philadelphia. It's a Fortune uh, 1000 company. And so they would tell uh, their vendors, we're not gonna pay you for 60 days, but if you don't want to wait, wait 60 days, our partner prompt payment will pay you in one business day minus a 3% transaction fee. And we thought this was gonna really take off. And we had investors, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brother, Merrill Lynch that put up $3.2 billion. And so my partner had been the former president of American Express Credit Corp. So he ran a $32 billion business. I'm already thinking I'm gonna be buying my own jet. I'm gonna have my own island. I'll be traveling all over. And then the market uh, crashed in 2008, the financial crash. That wiped out my three investors, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brother, and Merrill Lynch. So things you couldn't even plan for that happened just as we were getting started. Right. And we couldn't redo the business because we needed a minimum of a billion dollars to get it off the ground. So that didn't work out right. for that particular business. And I've had, I had once I wrote the business plan to sell lottery tickets online. And we thought, man, this is gonna be great. And we were partnered with the people who own the patents. And I got the state of New Jersey to agree to sell these uh, lottery tickets online. And they said, listen, the law is very fuzzy here. You can't do gambling online, but if the people only buy for in, within the state of New Jersey and they only buy it when they're actually physically in New Jersey, we could do it. I'm thinking, geez, we'll take anything to get this thing off the ground. And so they announced they're gonna do this. And then with a week later, the governor announces that he had an affair with his assistant. He was married, his assistant was male. He came out that he was gay resigned and that crashed his administration and they the new administration said we don't want to take this risk and that killed the business so you, you can't make this stuff up i mean it sounds like a bunch of different movies all in one person's uh lifetime but that's what uh kept happening i always found like i was ahead of the curve and sometimes you have ideas they're just too far advanced for when they're ready because now the insurance product everybody's buying that cyber insurance product. The selling of lottery tickets online, now everybody is doing it. But I was way in advance uh, of doing it. So sometimes you know, timing is everything in business. You know, most people uh, fail because, not because they didn't execute or they didn't raise enough money, just the timing was bad uh, for them. Great. So, so obviously you've learned from some of the failures that you've had or the setbacks, right? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, consulting university, I had this idea uh, 12 years ago, uh, maybe longer when I wrote the book and I thought I should do this. And then I said, you know what? I'm not going to be first. I'm going to wait till somebody else starts this. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to spend all my money educating the market about doing it. And somebody right. did start consult. Uh, mine is called Consulting University USA. But somebody else started consulting university 
-hmm. And now there's like three of us doing it, but there's an enormous market. And when you think about it, there's nobody who's ever been first who has managed to stay around. If you look at Facebook, there was Friendster and others, Mm -hmm. uh, MySpace before there was Facebook. If you take a look look at Google, there was what, at least a dozen different search engines. Some of them huge, uh, like InfoSeq and Yahoo and AltaVista, none of them around. We all use Google, maybe Bing as a back back end, but typically we're all using Google, right? Right. We're all using Facebook. So the people who come in first, usually it doesn't last because what ends up happening is you educate the market. You spend all of your dollars doing that. Mm-hmm. And then you run out of dollars. I mean, you look at pets.com and pets.com failed after having a lot of money because people weren't used to buying pet supplies online. Right. Now everybody does. And probably that would succeed today. Right. Right. So, so in the, though, you know, in those lessons there, what would be like the number one thing that you would share with people to say, like, you know, this is what got me through it to the other side. Because some deals obviously were totally squashed, right? Yeah. Others others got set back for a time. I have to say my mental mindset has always been that I'm not married to any idea I have. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I, uh, write the plan. I don't bother waiting. For the most part, I don't bother waiting until the market's just right because you don't know when the market's going to be just right. And then I just go out and execute on it. And of course... Before I even do that, I go and actually ask companies if they would buy whatever the product or service is. But when it fails, and let's face it, you know, in the bev- in the food industry, there are twelve thousand new products that come out a year, and I think the surveys say between one and two thousand of them make it. And out of those twelve thousand new products, by and large, they come from the big uh, food companies, and they have failures. So you have to be able to go and dust yourself off and keep moving forward. You can't go, oh my gosh, I'm a failure or uh, I'll never try this again. You have to get up and do it again. I mean, look at Joe Biden. He tried to be president three times. And after he was vice president, nobody in the world, including him, could you have said to him, by the way, Joe, I saw in the crystal ball, you're gonna be president of the United States in 2020. And he'd be like, you know, what are you smoking? So I think he's a great example of somebody who gets off the canvas and keeps come moving forward. And that's what that's what's required to succeed in entrepreneurship is that you just can't uh, worry about failure. It's like great basketball players. They miss 10 shots in a row. They forget about the 10 they miss. They just keep shooting. And if you looked at great, com- um, great entrepreneurs like Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs had failures too. So, you know, that's always the case. Right. Okay. Great. You know, I love that, you know, because, uh, you know, a lot of times people don't realize the mindset is, you know, most of the battle, right? Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And um, so tell me about some of the projects that you're working on today. You know, I mean, you shared a few things you have going on, but what are you, what are you most excited about? Well, funding organizer I'm, I'm most excited about and the reason uh, I'm most excited about that is because I found that my clients had such a great need for being able to apply for these bank loans and not have to spend a ton of time uh, getting all that information together. And 
I, I realized for the bankers themselves that they were spending a lot of time following up with uh, their potential clients by constantly having to send them emails all the time, asking for different information. And then they had to remember who they asked information to. So if they had 10 ongoing applications, they had to constantly be spending time asking each of them for different sets of information, taking that information, giving it to the loan committee, and then coming back and saying, oh, I need this. So I said, what if I had every conceivable question in one application, and now they get it, they don't have to follow up with anybody. They just send them this link, the entrepreneur, the business owner clicks on the link, fills out all the information, and then hits send, and that's it. So it saves the, um, the applicant time so they don't have to keep worrying about every time doing these emails because I had five clients, uh, fam five family business clients I was working with getting loans of 250,000 to 12 million. And each of them was going through the same things for the 15 different banks we were applying to mm -hmm. for all of them collectively. And they're from community banks to national banks and you know, all my clients were saying, oh my God, this is so painful that I have to go and do it this way. And I right. said to them, I'll, I'll see if they must have like an online way to go sign up for this. No, they must have a list of quest, you know, of information they needed. No. So that's why I started this. So I'm hopeful as banks start to use it, that uh, they will find it useful for them and useful for their clients. So that's my big uh, project right now as funding organizer. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, and what's the big play for you? I mean, that's obviously something that's, a, you know, a, a, obviously a big project, right? But what's the, what's the, the drive for you, the legacy, the thing that you're after, you know, long-term? Uh, for myself with this venture or in general? In general. Right. Well, I, I just like helping people. So mm -hmm. every venture I start, is not with the idea that I'll make a lot of money. I'd like to make a lot of money, mm -hmm. but everything I looked at is kind of solving a problem. Mm -hmm. And like I started a company called Expert Speakers and uh, originally it was called freespeakers.org. And then people said, why should I use it if the speakers are free? And so I said, oh, you're willing to pay them? No, I'm not willing to pay them. But if they're free, then how good can they be? So I changed it to Expert Speakers. Mm -hmm. We did manage to get some speakers that got paid and then we got an offer to be sold to a group in Texas and, and we mm -hmm. ended up selling it out. But it, it never grew to the size I thought it would grow to because as a consultant, I was using speaking as a marketing tool. And I thought, geez, for $300 a year, who's not gonna wanna spend that? We even had a spreadsheet that showed to do what we do for you would cost you $18,000. Mm -hmm. And so we were fortunate that somebody wanted to buy us out and, and did that. But again, every time you learned a different lesson about stuff, and if you take a look at the folks who've succeed, I mean, succeeded, um, most of all of these folks will all say Bill Gates, uh, Larry Ellison, Mark Zuckerberg, it was just pure luck that everything fell right. You know, 50% showing up, 25% being smart, 25% is just getting lucky. So my ultimate goal was I wanted to make a lot of money to be a philanthropist and give the money away, kind of like what Bill Gates did. I thought, gosh, if I could do that in Philadelphia, if I could go make $100 million, keep $20 million for the family, and give the other 80 million away, 
And in my case, it would be focused on entrepreneurship because I believe that cures everything. I really believe job creation, that's, that spills over into every area. People feel good if they're uh, working for themselves or working for a small company where they feel like there's real value there. I think once companies become really large, people feel like they're just a cog in the wheel. They don't feel like they're an important part of it. So I just wanted to make a lot of money to create entrepreneurship and support education. Great. That's, that's awesome. I love it. You know, I love the impact that you're after and the difference you are making in the business community. Right. Um, so um, as we start to close here, what, what would be the, uh, uh, the best way for people to reach you? Oh, uh, the best people to, way for people to reach me is they can write, to, they can actually just link in with me. That's the best thing. Find me, Mark Kramer, M-A-R-C, Kramer, K-R-A-M-E-R, and just link in with me. I, I have almost 9,000 LinkedIn contacts, mm -hmm. and I have to find, I found that LinkedIn is a great way to interact with people. I've met tons of people in the past year. In fact, in 10 months, I've added 1,200 new contacts, and a lot of them have been people that I ended up doing business with or even referring business to. A lot of people write to me about uh, saying, oh, I want to connect. And the first thing I write back is, how can I help you? That's what I always ask is, how can I help you? And then they tell me what it is. And if I'm able to make an introduction, I do it because I feel there's good karma from that. The more that you help people, the more it will come back. It may not come back directly from that person, but it will come back from somewhere. And I have to say, I feel really blessed that I've had such an interesting uh, career. I haven't made uh, that, what I call FU money yet, but I'm hoping that maybe this new venture will provide that. But I, I don't need the money for myself. I want to make sure my family is in a good place, but I do want to make a difference in society. In fact, I'm working on something called the Rocky Art Alliance. I, um, Cause I live near the Rocky statue and all these people before COVID would be lined up every single day of the year, taking their picture at the Rocky statue. And I said, what if we can convert those people to donate a dollar every time they took a picture with Rocky and then take that money and set up a summer camp for inner city kids to teach them entrepreneurship and art? How great would that be? So that's the kind of stuff that interests me. That's awesome. So, so as I'm you know, listening to everything you got, I thank you for sharing all that. Um, there's, there's a couple of things that I you know, like to end with is um, one is, you know, someone listening to this, you know, whether they're just starting out or they have an established business and they're, they're you know, looking to grow it, um, you know, they may be thinking, well, well, Mark's done some like pretty big deals, right? And you've been involved in a lot of great things that you've been able to do over your lifetime in business. Uh, what would be the thing you, that you'd want to share with them in your parting, you know, parting words here of like how you could, uh, how that person could take the next step, whatever it is. Yeah. I think, and this is what I've seen, because uh, I also have the executive director of the Angel Venture Fair, which brings together entrepreneurs and wealthy people together to raise money. The thing I notice most is people talk about it, but don't do it. Hmm. All you have to do, it doesn't matter your level of education, or if you have no education, or, or whatever it is, because I've seen people start all types of businesses. You know, I've, I've met a guy who came from Mexico with nothing and now has 50 people working for him in a house cleaning business. So the biggest thing that you need to do is get up in the morning and try. 
there's no downside to trying. There's lots of downside to not trying. And that's what I tell people. I've written six books and people say all the time, talk to me at parties. Oh, I'm going to write a book. And I see these same people for over a decade. And the, and the best they've done is come up with the title. Right. So I say to them, go and just start typing. Go and just start writing your plan. Whatever it is, just go and start doing it. Great. I, I appreciate that. That was, that was great insights. Um, so I appreciate you being here. Appreciate you taking the time. And uh, you know, thank you for uh, you know, sharing your insights and, and uh, sharing with the world. And I look forward to continued you know, success in what you're doing and the impact you're having in the world. It was great talking to another Philadelphia guy. And hopefully we'll be back uh, in the Super Bowl again soon. But we're all still cheering for Andy Reid because yeah. to us, 14 years here in Philly, we own him. He's yeah. ours. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Mark. Have a great day. We want to thank you for being all in with us on today's episode of the All In Podcast Show. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, as well as ways to connect to our guests, head to allinpodcast.com. That's available exclusively on allinpodcast.com.